Canada curious? Welcome to the Yes We Canada podcast, the progressive's guide to getting the fuck out. This episode is called The Canadian System of Government for Those with Short Attention Spans. Mio, do you ever watch Fox News? Is that a serious question? Well, I mean, like as a tourist, maybe. I don't know. You don't have to be an acolyte. What's that called? Disaster tourism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, a few years ago, I was watching Fox, and I heard one of the low-information uh, politicians in the United States say that Canada is a paramilitary democracy. Paramilitary? I was like, yeah, dude, no, no, it's not a paramilitary democracy. It's a parliamentary democracy. <laughs> not a Simply put, whichever party elects the most members of parliament gets to govern. When you immigrate here, you will also hear our system referred to as the first past the post. Because up here, goddamn, we like our democracy with just a dash of horse racing. Yeehaw! I'm Matt Zimble. And I'm Mio Edelman. Our members of parliament, or MPs, are chosen from ridings, which are just like your voting districts, without the gerrymandering. So whoever leads the party with the most members elected becomes the prime minister. Look, we don't want to get all academic on you, but you may want to take some notes. So let's review. We have ridings, you have districts. Your politicians sometimes call us a paramilitary democracy, we're, in fact, a parliamentary democracy. We have a prime minister, and you, you have a dickhead. So up here, we don't vote directly for our prime minister. Whoever is the leader of the party that gets the most seats in parliament becomes the leader of the country, a.k.a. the right honorable prime minister. Now, technically, is this going to be on the test? Not likely. It's too technical, but it's still important. Okay. Remember I said whichever party gets the most seats in parliament forms the government. Yeah, the first past the post thing. Exactly. The leader of the party that forms the government becomes the prime minister. But here's the incredible thing. This is not a law in Canada. It's more like a tradition. It's kind of like a vibe, man. <laughs> a vibe, yeah. man. It's kind of like a vibe. Okay, you but know? What, what exactly is not a law? I don't understand. The governor general, remember her? Yeah. The governor general, the queen's representative in Canada. Mm -hmm. I call her our assistant queen. <laughs> the governor general can appoint whomever she wishes to be prime minister. But it's an unwritten rule that the governor general picks whomever has the confidence, which means the most seats in the House of Commons, which is like your House of Representatives without the NRA employees who work part-time as your Congress folk. So again, in our system, most of the country does not get to vote for their leader. It's kind of like in the U.S., where the majority of the people voted for the girl, but you got the doofus. So can I ask you to do me a favor? Suburban women, will you please like me? Remember? Please. Please. I saved your damn neighborhood, okay? In Canada, the only people who live in the district or riding where the leader of the party is running to be their member of parliament get to vote for the prime minister. That's probably clear as mud, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> This is going to make people not want to come to the country, but go ahead. Yeah. But this can lead to some very, very awkward moments. 
like let's say for example the liberal party that's the name of the party not not always their policies let's say there are more liberals elected than any other party they form the government but let's say for example that the leader of their party loses his or her own seat to become a member of parliament they're still the prime minister they're just very embarrassed because they have nowhere to sit in the house of parliament this has happened three times in the history of our country now you must be wondering Gosh darn, son bitch, what happens next? Who said Canada's not exciting? I, I feel like there's a, a workaround coming like for that person sitting outside the House of Commons. There is. That prime ministerial person sitting outside the House of Commons. The workaround for this little electoral disaster is that the prime minister picks what's called a safe riding, meaning a riding or a district that has voted for his party with large majorities for centuries. The prime minister then runs again in the safe riding in what's called a by-election. They always win because everyone wants the PM to be boss of their riding because they get shit done. What do you need? A new bridge? A wharf? Can I get you an airport? Okay, so, but then what happens to the member of parliament who just won their seat in the riding the PM is now having a by-election in? Mio, please allow me to introduce you to the former MP of Bracebridge, Ontario, who is now... Come on down, the new Canadian ambassador to the Democratic Republic of the Congo! This means that in our system of government, the parliamentary democratic system, we can, and do very often, have the country being governed by parties and prime ministers who have not won the popular vote. Far from it. As long as they have more seats in parliament than any other party, they govern. The recent conservative government of the Right Honourable Stephen Harper governed for nine of the most miserable years to be a Canadian, with popular votes of 36% in 2006 and 39% in 2011. Wow. In October 2019, Prime Minister Trudeau's Liberals won their second term, a minority government, with the smallest percentage of the popular vote in Canadian history, just 33%. It's like your electoral college, but without the binge drinking and frat parties. So, a minority government, can you... I, I just, can you explain that though? Like, I don't. I... Not a lot of white people? No, that's not <laughs> what it is. A minority government means that one party does not have enough seats to operate the government on their own. So they have to have other parties that will support them. So in our Canadian parliamentary system, there are five parties that exist right now. There's the Green Party, there's the Bloc Quebecois Party, which represents Quebec. Yeah. There is also the Conservative Party, the Liberal Party, and the New Democratic Party. And so with the votes from the New Democratic Party, the Liberal Party can survive what's called a motion of no confidence, meaning that the other parties would vote against them and they would lose their ability to maintain a government. Wow. Yeah, my American friends, you may be duly entertained or perhaps horrified by your reality TV president right now. But if you're a political junkie and you want great election night television, there is no better drama than a leader concession speech on a Canadian election night. I, I, I know this one. I know this one. We tell this one all the time. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I pull this one out at parties. Oh, do, you pull it out at parties? Well, I, don't say I pull it out at parties. No, Just like, no, okay. Please? Okay. But, okay, so, so here, here it is. I love this one. In 1993, the governing party was ending its second term. 
They were called the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. Yeah, I know. Military intelligence, jumbo shrimp, yada, yada, yada. Jumbo shrimp. <laughs> the, the PC party, which is funny because they were very, very not politically correct, but they like to think of themselves as progressive and conservative. So they campaigned on reducing the debt and the deficit. And when they came to power, they inflated the debt and the deficit, just like your Republicans. But to be fair, and we are fair here, they were a world leader in denouncing apartheid in South Africa, did some good work on the environment, remember acid rain, and spoke with powerful determination about the danger of the debt and the deficit, all the while spending like drunken sailors. They served two terms under the direction of Brian Mulrooney, a good old boy Irish bilingual lawyer from Bay Como, Quebec. Like most prime ministers, once they get to power, they hang on to it forever. The private plane, the prime ministerial residence, the world stage, it's a damn fine gig. So Brian waits until the very end of his mandate. Oh yeah, mandate is the British parliamentary word for term. There are only five months left in his mandate before he calls for a leadership convention to pick a new leader who is then forced by law to call an election right away. Because, unlike the United States, where you have to have a uh, an election every four years on the same day, like to the day, in Canada, elections can happen, I mean, it's like four or five years, three, mm -hmm. four mm -hmm. or five years, but nobody, there's no hard and fast rules about when exactly the election should happen. That's right. So the party selects a new leader, but has very little time to introduce her to the electorate. Yep, that's right, her. We broke the glass ceiling in 1993. Enter Avril Fedra Douglas Campbell, also known as Kim Campbell. She's young, she's single, and she's the former Minister of Justice. And just like your First Lady, she had been photographed naked. Okay, naked with a judge's robe on a hanger obscuring the legislative details, but naked all the same. The idea was she'd be kind of like a fresh start for the progressive conservative party. Young, hip, right, meal. I get it. It's dull Canadian political history. No one cares. But come on, dude. I threw some naked women in here for you. Yeah. Okay. I, I, Stay focused. Okay. okay. There, there's going to be a test to get into the country. That's <laughs> right. Kim's name will not be on the test. No, no, no. Is what is her middle name? That's that's the <laughs> that's the shocking piece. Fedra. Fedra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So Kim becomes the first fi female prime minister of Canada, even though she's never faced an actual election as prime minister. Yeah. Because she's the leader of the party, she became the prime minister. Even though nobody ever voted for her... her to become prime minister. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like Boris Johnson. Remember when he was the MP of the UK before he actually stood for election as prime minister? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's the same thing. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. So getting back to 1993, the election campaign is launched. Madam Prime Minister announces that she has ideas for policy, but they are too complex. And an election is not the time to discuss complex policy issues. This is starting to sound like Donald Trump, but go ahead. Yep, mm -hmm. that and oh yeah, there will be hardship because we have to work hard to reduce the debt and the deficit. Her main opponent is the leader of the Liberal Party, a scrappy small-town Quebec lawyer who spent his life as an MP and a cabinet minister, which is kind of like the same as your cabinet secretary, but in our case, there's no typing required. His name is Jean Chrétien, John Christian in English. Oh, jeez. And he positions himself during the campaign as the little guy from Shawinigan. 
Shawinigan is the little Quebec town where he was born. On the campaign trail, he ditches the shirt and the tie and rocks a blue jean work shirt. He offers hope while Prime Minister Kim not offers... To be, not to be mistaken for Kim Jong-il. Sounds rather North Korean, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Prime Minister Kim. Mm -hmm. But our Kim has slightly better hair. Just mm. slightly. Chen offers hope, and during the campaign, Kim offers only the hardship and sacrifice of toiling to reduce the debt and the deficit that her party just inflated like a sex doll at a Vatican conclave mixer. Now, Chen is well-educated, but he appears to speak neither of Canada's official languages. In fact, much of the time, he speaks no recognizable language at all. I don't know. A proof is a proof. What kind of a proof? It's a proof. A proof is a proof, and when you have a good proof, it's because it's proof. Uh, what did he say? He says, a proof is a proof. What kind of a proof? It's a proof. A proof is a proof. And when you have a good proof, it's because it's proven. Ah, I see. Okay, well spoken, that 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 John Christian, John Christian guy. Yes. Now, I know that as an American, you're used to your leaders mangling their English. I mean, who can forget George Bush's hit parade of they misunderestimated me or this classic? If you're a single mother with two children, which is the toughest job in America, as far as I'm concerned. And you're working hard to put food on your family. Or, our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. Oh yeah, and how about this one? Rarely is the question asked, is our children learning? But Chrétien amped up the maldi because he would mangle the phrase in English and then try and repair it in French. This led to his most unfortunate turn of phrase while meeting the Holy Father at the Vatican. Now, to fully appreciate this spectacular faux pas, I need to teach you another French word. Now, work here with me, my American friends. French words will make you look smart outside your country. That is, if you're ever allowed outside your country again. The word for ring in French is spelled B-A-Q-U-E. It's pronounced bag. I had no idea. So when Jean Chrétien, our good Catholic Prime Minister, meets the Pope, he gets on his knees and announces to the Holy Father that he will now kiss his bag. <laughs> this is like the worst history of Canada I've ever heard. Which which might be the first instance of the government abusing the clergy. <laughs> As my French girlfriend says, cut him some slacks. It's understandable to be nervous meeting a man who's wearing a long white dress. Well, Chrétien was a gut guy. He didn't read a lot, but he knew the rough and tumble of politics and he played elbows up. My favorite story comes in 1990 when he was the leader of Her Majesty's Loyal Opposition. I don't think we've talked about that one yet. No, we haven't, actually. So, some math might be required. Whichever party has the second most seats in Parliament does not form the government, but the runner-up does get the legislative booby prize because they become Her Majesty's Loyal Opposition, which is a cool gig if you can get it. Includes a free house, a staff, a car and a driver, and a swanky corner office. So Chrétien is doing a scrum about the very explosive armed standoff between the police and the native groups in Oka, Quebec. This is in 1990. It had been going on for months. He used to be the cabinet minister for Indian and Northern Affairs, and he supposedly knew the dossier very, very well. Mm -hmm. The reporters fired a question at him about First Nation treaty rights, and he ducks the question. 
I can't answer that question. I'm not a lawyer. And the reporters started yelling at him, all of them en masse. Actually, sir, you are a lawyer. <laughs> he had been a member of the bar in Quebec since 1958. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go back to October 25th, 1993. Kim Campbell and the progressive conservatives are demolished. They go from being the government of Canada with 154 seats in parliament to just two seats. The prime minister, Kim Campbell, doesn't just lose the prime ministership, she loses her own seat to a first-time candidate. The progressive conservative party can now have a caucus meeting in a phone booth. <laughs> they lose their official party status for the first time in the history of confederation, which means they're no longer funded by the government. And they have a $7 million party deficit at the end of the election campaign. Okay, but wait a second. So, so Kim Campbell was the prime minister of this country, unelected. That's right. She served as the prime minister. That's right. And then because for about she, two months. Right, and then for two months. And then because she lost the election, she was gone completely. And so she was prime minister and really hadn't, didn't have to do very much for that job. No, she did nothing for that job, and she lost the prime ministership because she lost her seat, and, yeah. she lo and her party lost the election. But this is the thing. is Just to give you a sense of who this person was, at 11 o'clock on election night, Kim Campbell walks up to the podium in a Vancouver hotel ballroom. The ballroom is full of, like, local party members. They're all in tears because they're not going to go to Ottawa to be the junior minister of fisheries. And the first thing that leader Kim says when she Su gets... Su Supreme leader. Yes. And the first thing that Supreme Leader Kim says when she gets to the podium is, gee, I'm glad I didn't sell my car. <laughs> if there ever was an Albert E. Newman moment in Canadian politics, that is surely it. That's a, so, so that's good. That's a good lesson. If you're going into politics, keep your car. Keep your car. Keep your car in the garage. You might need it later. That's right. Very good. Okay. You're still with us here? You're not bored by Canadian politics? I hope not, because it's going to be your life when you immigrate here. Before I continue our poli-sci lesson about the Canadian parliamentary system, I would be remiss if I did not tell you more about the guy who actually won that election that night and went on to serve three terms. Three terms? Three because, terms. Because you could win, you can be prime minister for 20 years if you wanted to. Here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there are no term limits here. You can just go on and forever. Mm -hmm. So this means if you immigrate to Canada and you get the PM gig, mm -hmm. which you can, because unlike in, in the United States, you do not have to be born here to stand for election as prime minister. So many differences. This uh, is crazy. I know. You could be prime minister for life. I like how you're leading with the prime minister job as the it's, inducement for people to come to, to, come to Canada. Yes. It's a good gig. You can have the prime you can vote for the prime minister you like forever right. if, if you like them. And hey, you could be the prime minister or the governor general. Exactly. This is incredible. Like I I would move here. That's right. So on October 25th, 1993, Jean Chrétien's Liberal Party wins the election that mm. Kim loses and he forms the government. As I mentioned, Chrétien's from a small town called Shawinigan on the St. Maurice River in northern Quebec. He was the 18th of 19 children wow. in, I know this is going to come as a surprise, but a Catholic family. <laughs> You're full of surprises, man. I know. When he was young, he had an attack of Bell's palsy, which left him deaf in one ear and left the side of his face paralyzed. Mm -hmm. So when he was running for the leadership of his party, he claimed that he was the only politician in Canada who didn't talk out of both sides of their mouth. 
it's true that I speak on one side of my mouth. I'm not a Tory. I don't speak on both sides of my mouth. The Kim Campbell campaign ran a negative ad which criticized his disability by showing a picture of Chan's face underscored by a voiceover asking, is this a prime minister? That's really mean. I know. Tory support plummeted until they pulled the ad, but it was too late. They lost the election. And many say that is what is now known as the face ad was a factor in their loss. Wow. Modus, take note. When you decide to invade Canada, Canadians do not take kindly to making fun of people with disabilities. Krejcian was a tough guy. When he was a kid, he was known locally as a scrapper, a street fighter, who often started fights completely unprovoked. <laughs> that's, Does, that's not a street fighter. That's an asshole. <laughs> Does that sound vaguely familiar to you, American voters? Oh, my God. This approach seemed to work very well for him in politics. When he was prime minister, he was once verbally confronted at a rally by an anti-poverty protester. He grabbed the protester around the neck in a chokehold, threw him to the ground, even though the guy was much larger than the prime minister. And this move became known around the world as the Schwinnigan handshake. Do you remember that, Mia? Oh, absolutely do. Nobody forgets that. In another event of prime ministerial violence, Krejcian and his wife, Aline, were asleep in the master bedroom at the PM's residence when an intruder armed with a pocket knife broke in and made it as far as their bedroom. They quickly locked the door and called their security detail, grabbed an Inuit soapstone sculpture that they had on a table near the bed, and got ready to beat the living crap out of him. And then they waited for seven minutes for their security detail from the RCMP to arrive. Where was the security detail? Well, apparently, Sergeant Renfrew forgot his keys to the residence. <laughs> That's... That's all you, so really, that is all you really need to know about the RCMP. That's, it really is. Now, there's a reason why the RCMP sold their exclusive merchandising rights to Disney in 1995. The Mounties got the great merchandising expertise of Disney, and Disney got a Mickey Mouse outfit. I know. So Prime Minister Krejcian was never afraid of getting into a fight. Eventually, Canadians became very grateful that he was surrounded by a security detail so they would be protected from their PM. There are, however, times when having a scrappy PM is a real pleasure. When your death metal trio of Bush, Cheney, and Rumsfeld decided to attack Iraq after supposedly finding weapons of mass destruction, the British Prime Minister, Tony Blair, said, Right, chaps, gob, smack, tickety-boo, pip-pip, let's go. Is that what he said? That's what he said. Uh -huh. And then John Howard, Prime Minister of Australia, said, Good on you, mate. Fire up the barbecue. It'll be a ripper. <laughs> so, do I get to hear your John Christian uh, impersonation next? Yes, you do. How okay. did you know that was coming? <laughs> the, Under the axis of accents. <laughs> Under tremendous pressure from our closest allies, RPM stood firm and said, If the Security Council of the United Nations say no, that's no. No is no, eh? The proof is the proof is the proof. No. Canada became a very lonely member of the Coalition of the Unwilling, and the Bushes were some pissed. Which is totally different than pissing in the Bushes. Right. 
well-raised. <laughs> of course, we were already fighting with the Americans in Afghanistan, so it's not like we were chicken. We were just smart. WMD? WTF. Upon becoming the Prime Minister of Canada, the office holder receives a title for life. The Right Honourable. Sometimes, they actually deserve it. 